Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and we are Stranger Than. This time we are coming at you with uh, several different stories of sort of unfortunate circumstances or just things about places or just stuff in general. I would uh, take this as an episode on places you probably want to avoid moving to uh, in, in America, right? We're only sticking with America. At least I did. Yeah, pretty much all America. All right. So I will start off today with the Nevada Triangle. Everyone's heard of the Bermuda Triangle, which is that bit of ocean that creates a triangle with the three points of Puerto Rico, Southern Florida, and Bermuda. You know, all those planes and ships have been disappearing there for quite some time. Well, this is another area where similar things happen. As far as I can tell, no ships have gone missing in this particular triangle as it's landlocked, so finding a sea vessel would be a real mystery. It would indeed. The Nevada Triangle is made up, the three points of the triangle are made up by near Bakersfield, California, near Reno, Nevada, and the Grand Canyon National Park. So this area includes Death Valley National Park, Area 51, and obviously the Grand Canyon National Park. It's an area of the Sierra Nevada Mountains. It's the southern portion of those. We know the Grand Canyon is a place of strangeness being a possible entrance to the hollow earth and or the place where the Hopi natives surfaced from the old earth. So, you know, weird shit happens there. Right. Isn't that the near the stu- superstition mountain and stuff, too, where... All those like weird happenings go on. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Of course, Area 51. Everyone, I mean, that's an infamous place. It's top secret place at uh, testing for new aircraft, possibly researching crashed extraterrestrial spacecraft, perhaps extraterrestrials. It's hard to say. It's a place where people occasionally decide they're going to raid it and do things like Naruto runs. If you remember before the apocalypse, there was the raiding Area 51 thing. Do you remember that? I do remember that. They were, everyone was going <laughs> to like storm Area 51. Yeah, storm Area if that's what it was. A raid, storm, whatever. Yeah, like they can't keep us out. Yeah, <laughs> they, can't, they can't get all of us. That's right. Now we say the same this... thing about the virus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, that's uh, the virus is getting a lot of people. Yep. Maybe more than Area 51 could get. Yeah. Well, and also the the mass, um, you know, unmasked protests where they, you know, just storm a place with no masks. And again, they can't get all of us. Yeah. The, the virus definitely can. <laughs> Man, watching shows from the pre-apocalypse era is weird because it makes me uncomfortable when people are like talking really close to one another. And you're like, I know you guys don't live together. What the fuck are you doing being like right up in each other's faces with no mask on? This is... This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like miss those times. I don't. I don't like all the uh, distance and like. Oh, I better not, you know, touch another person or get too close to another yeah, person. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's, it's not ideal. No, nah, I just I, don't uh, think it's the way we're supposed to be living our life. I mean, we I'm are not saying animals. like right. I'm not saying like you know. I don't think COVID is a thing that should be taken seriously. I'm just saying in general sense. That's just you know. Yeah, yeah. And, not I mean, not how we were meant to be. 
wear your damn mask and all. But I mean, yeah, we are a herd animal and herd animals are meant to be together. And so mm-hmm. it is, that's why it's so hard. That's why people are getting so fatigued is because they're not used to having to remain apart. Yeah. It's difficult for sure. Yeah. No fun. This 25,000 mile area of land is the crash site for over 2,000 planes since World War II, many of which were never found. 2,000 planes. That's way more than the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, that's quite a bit. Yeah. Another main feature of the area, which is the Sierra Nevada Mountains, is a wild and rugged mountain range. There are areas so remote that anything could disappear without a trace. In 1941, Lieutenant Leonard C. Leiden was flying with his Army fighter squadron over the mountains. They became lost, and Leiden had to bail out of his plane. He parachuted and landed safely, and his plane crashed about a mile from where he landed. The P-40 he was flying has still never been found in the Sequoia National Park or Kings National Park where he crashed. These two parks are right next to one another. They're east of Fresno in the mountains, and they're generally referred to as Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks. I have been to both of those. I'm not surprised at all. They're probably (laughs) awesome. They are really awesome. I loved... uh, Kings Canyon is a lot smaller, but um, but yeah, they're right next to each other. Uh, Really beautiful. Sequoia National Park. Oh my gosh. I mean... If there's a place where, yeah, things could probably not get discovered for a really long time, that would be one of them. I mean, the the trees, there's many, and they are gigantic, and that's where the the General Sherman is, which is like that giant, giant sequoia tree. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a big, like, the big, yeah, fat the one, big right? Yeah, big, fat one. Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, that's in Sequoia National Park, so uh, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Lots of lots of uh, mosquitoes. Ugh. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> Bring your repellent if you go. <laughs> I hate mosquitoes. Well, I mean, it's the forest, so there's lo- yeah. lots of life in the forest, including bugs. That's true. Lots, lots of bug life. So, yeah, that, that was it. He, uh, he got to safety and everything was fine with him, but his plane was, was never found. And to this day, has never been found. Probably never will be found. Likely, well, it's been reclaimed i mean back in the 40s things were made with real stuff there was very little plastic and so shit can just rust away and never be found pretty easily oh yeah for sure and and like i was saying i mean there's like the giant trees there's all the i mean the the ground is covered in all these big giant ferns it's really easy for something i mean even a big thing to to fall and then just get if it doesn't get discovered right away that shit's just going to grow right over it quickly too very quickly so it doesn't surprise me we have another story of air force lieutenant david steves he was piloting a t-33 training jet he was supposed to be flying out of a military base near san francisco to california he was going to go to arizona Uh, he never made it to arizona and he was declared dead by the air force until july 2nd 1957 when he turned up at a backcountry camp in Kings Canyon National Forest. His clothes were trashed, and he was looking pretty hungry because he had been missing for 54 days in the wilderness. Obviously, I mean, he survived to tell the tale. When his plane was over the mountains, something exploded, and it caused him to briefly lose consciousness. Lucky for him, he came to with time left to eject, 
and parachuted to the ground. However, it was kind of a shitty landing. He fucked up both of his ankles. So this dude crawled over 20 miles at 12,000 feet elevation until he found some old National Park Service cabin. Wow. He drugged the parachute with him that whole way to keep warm at night because it was cold as fucking shit. It's cold when it's that high. Those parachutes are usually made out of silk, which is actually uh, pretty uh, good at keeping the weather out. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's a large blanket, basically. Yeah. It took him 15 days to get to that cabin. And fortunately, he found some canned food there because he did not eat since he had left the base in California. In addition to the canned food, he found fishing equipment, and he even managed to kill a deer with his sidearm, which can't be easy. That's just a pistol. I mean, I'm no big hunter, but I imagine that not only is the accuracy less with a pistol, it's probably it's just your sidearm. It's not going to be as powerful as any rifle. No, I mean, it's definitely not something you want to use for hunting. Like, handguns are primarily, like, you know, a self-defense against, like, People. It's for shooting people. (laughs) It's for shooting people. (laughs) He hung out at this cabin for some time, healing and all that kind of stuff, resting, eating. He nearly drowned on his way after he left and then randomly ran into a pack train guide in the backcountry. That was the guy whose camp he ran into. And they took him by horse out to civilization. In 1977, Boy Scouts located the canopy of his plane, but no other wreckage had been found. At the time, it was during the Cold War when he was lost, and there was people who were like, dude, you're just trying to escape the war. But they thought he did it on purpose. But once the Boy Scouts found the canopy and it was able to be like proved that he crashed, they're like, okay, well, I guess you're not a coward. But still, that was some time, you know? I mean, fuck. (laughs) 1957, 20 years, basically. 20 years of people thinking he was just some coward who tried to escape. That would suck. Yeah, yeah. It was 1943 when the Nevada Triangle claimed a B-24 bomber, which is officially called the Liberator, but colloquially known as the Flying Coffin, due to its difficulty to control. It's really stiff and just doesn't handle very well. This flight was to be a routine training flight from Fresno to Bakersfield, California, down to Tucson, Arizona, and then back up to Fresno, California. On December 5th, the plane didn't even make it to Bakersfield. The next day, a search and rescue mission began involving eight more B-24s. At the end of the day, only seven returned. So they lost another plane during the rescue attempt. That's never an ideal outcome. No, not at all. In 1955, so 11-12 years later, some dam work was being done, which required the draining of Huntington Lake Reservoir. According to the two men that bailed out and survived, the pilot saw what looked to be a snow-covered clearing. He told the rest of the crew to bail out, of which only two did. Unfortunately, the lake was not frozen and was not a snow-covered clearing, and the plane came to the rest at the bottom of the lake 190 feet down. The bodies of the five remaining men were found still at their stations. The first missing B-24 that started this whole thing off had not been found during the initial search and rescue mission, and the military didn't do much more searching because, you know, they lost another plane trying to find it. 
Robert Hester was the name of the co-pilot in the first plane. His father, Clinton Hester, continued the search for his son for 14 years after his disappearance. The only reason he stopped was because he suffered a fatal heart attack in 1959. In 1960, United States Geological Survey researchers were in a remote location in Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks when they happened upon plane wreckage near a previously unnamed lake. It was found that this was the first B-24 that went missing, and now the lake is called Hester Lake. It is believed that the reason for all the crashes is mainly due to wind. This area runs perpendicular to the jet stream. Jet streams are strong streams, very strong streams of air, a few miles above the earth that run mainly west, but will sometimes shift north or south. There are two or three jet streams in the northern and southern hemispheres. The wind comes up from the west side of the mountains and is quite smooth, but when it hits the wind coming down off the mountains, it sort of shoots towards the ground erratically, causing turbulence and less than ideal flying conditions. Small planes, or planes that don't handle well, caught in the wind blowing towards the ground oftentimes don't have the power or handling to get out of it, causing them to crash abruptly on the ground. So it's just a f fucking crazy wind area. Or that's one of the reasons they that they think that all these planes have gone crashing down there. It's not one of those areas that we've heard talked about where compasses go all crazy or anything like that. It just seems to be the wind is just funky. Funky wind. No explanation for that. Well, I mean, there is. It's the, the jet streams well, and the what have you. But you can't see it or anything like that. You cannot see it. Cannot see it. That's true. <laughs> well, that's what makes it funky. Just never know. <laughs> and the fact that it's so damn remote, you know, you, you get lost in there and can take you some time to get out. And if you get hurt, it's pretty much over. I mean, if you die, animals are just going to pick your corpse clean, probably. Yeah, they probably have a nice, uh, delicious meal off your corpse. Yeah. They'll use every part. They're good like that. <laughs> well, how about you tell us about a a thing? A thing? Thing. A thing. I'm going to talk about a place. A place? Yes. Uh, heard of uh, Centralia, Pennsylvania? Centralia, Pennsylvania. I have heard about Centralia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> now, do you remember the movie Silent Hill? Yes, I actually just recently learned there was a second one and I watched it. Mm, I can't, I know I watched it. It came out in 2006, so that's that's a while now, unfortunately. <laughs> it's good. It's a, I like it. I just it's feel like bloody. 2006 should have been like four years ago or something, not 14. Not 14. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, I can't remember shit about it, though. The town is all foggy and then at night, it gets all evil and fiery, and there's ash, and then there's that guy with the big pyramid head, and he's got a giant sword, and he's chasing down the mother and the cop who's looking for the little girl. And then at the end, someone gets burned alive, and uh, there's like oh, some weird cult involved. You know, it's a pretty good movie. It's a good, it's a good horror movie. Okay. Well... A lot of sources on the internet say that this place in Pennsylvania uh, was like the inspiration for Silent Hill. And I mean, I get where 
some some aspects of that. Yeah, there's no like pyramid head guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I really hope not. But uh, it is basically abandoned at this point. I think at last count, maybe there was like five residents left. Now, That's crazy. And it's been that way for a long time, too, like 50 years or something. Well, the Great Exodus started in 1962. It was never like a huge, huge town to begin with. It was a town where there was lots of coal mines. And that's where, you know, it was kind of one of these towns, like, built around the mines. Uh, anthracite coal deposits were discovered in the 1800s. And uh, subsequently, they built a whole town around mining said coal. Happened a lot with coal, with gold, with mm-hmm. There's a any lot of- sort of, yeah, anything that you could really make a living off of. A town would grow grow up around and stick around until that was no like the mine dried up or whatever was no longer something you could use, and then everyone moved on. That's where we got a lot of the ghost towns in America. Yes, there are a lot a lot of abandoned ghost towns in America due to mining, and then like the mines ran dry, and then the town dries up, and yeah, copper, coal, gold, just about every, anything and everything you can possibly mine. You know, uh, my dad's hometown here in Kansas is a place called Hutchinson, Kansas, which is famous for its salt mines. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, salt mining is a thing. So do you get really good, fresh salt there in Kansas? or <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Hutchinson's about three and a half hours from where I currently live. But apparently it... It's infused in a lot of the the soil, and I don't know. It kind of makes shit kind of gross, actually, because there's so much salt. <laughs> Fair enough. I will but well you, preserved. <laughs> I will tell you that is like the one thing I miss about Washington, um, particularly Western Washington, is the water. Like you have no idea how disgusting the fucking water is out here. Oh, no, I've been to Michigan before. (laughs) And I guess I shouldn't complain. I mean, it's not like Flint water, but it's so gross. Like, you you can, you absolutely cannot drink it out of the tap. I mean, at home, I mean, back back in Woodenville, Washington, when I used to live there, um, you know, yeah, throw some ice in and straight out of the tap. It's just, like, delicious. Fine. Here, it'll literally make you gag. We have to double uh, filter our water because we bought a pier. We bought a pier, and that didn't filter all the taste out. It still was kind of grody. So we got a zero water, um, and the filters are really expensive on that. They're like uh, $12 to $15 uh, a filter, and it only lasts about three weeks. Oh, God. Yeah. So we double filter it. We put it through the pier, and then we pour it from the pier into the zero to try and make it last a little bit longer. Um, but even so, just maybe... get water at like the store. Just get like the like the five gallon jugs like I like I have. Yeah, uh, they well, those are really heavy and hard to manage. You've so... got a strapping young lad that lives there. Have him use yeah. his giant lacrosse muscles. Yeah, but then you have to have something like stand the jug on. You have to like 
get True, a thing. But so I'm telling you, it's better than. So I haven't. Be, uh, I haven't gotten around to that. We weren't. We were getting uh, bottled water, but then I really hated that because it's just so That's wasteful. A lot of waste. Yeah, 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 and like going through like cases of that every week. I don't mind doing it on road trips and camping and stuff, but at home it's just like no, that is just so wasteful. So. Yeah, we've been doing the double water uh, thing, and and I like my water really cold. So then I have to, I'd have to buy something for the five gallon jug to like make it cold because the if you if the ice is in there, if you don't have filtered water in your ice too, it's just gonna like melt a bunch of nasty yeah. into your water. So, well, they make countertop ones that take three mm-hmm. gallons as well, and you just get a few three gallon jugs and the tabletop and the tabletop one, and that makes it cold as well. That like has the it has the cooler, cooler thing. Thingy, so, yeah. yeah, I'll have to check Take in how I'm much it you, it's costs. The way to go. <laughs> but yeah, I miss I miss uh, nice clean water that you just take for granted, like coming out of your faucet, because that is totally not the case here. Yeah, Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Anyways, back to Centralia, Pennsylvania. So they have the mines, and there's like you know, veins of this coal kind of like running all over underneath the city. And in 1962, they decide that uh, the landfill has been getting, uh, you know, a little too big and smelly for uh, the local residents to deal with. And so they're like, we're going to do a controlled burn. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to like burn our garbage, basically. Yeah. And after they did the burning of the garbage, uh, the, it was noticed that it was still smoldering all over the place. And the fire fire department goes out to investigate, and they think they put it out again, and then it's still smoldering. And at some point, they kind of realize, like, oh, this coal, these veins of coal have, like, caught fire, and they Oops. are continuing to burn all underneath the city and there's literally nothing that anyone can do to stop the fire. It's coal. It just keeps burning. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with coal. That's why we that's mine why we coal like it. because it <laughs> it burns for uh, some time. So at this point it starts to be more and more of a problem. Um it's causing big sinkholes to appear, like the ground just goes out from you, under you. Uh, one little boy was almost killed in his own backyard when all of a sudden, like a sinkhole just appeared in his backyard, and down he went. And like a neighbor saved him. <laughs> God. And not only would there the sinkholes appear, but uh, then all this noxious toxic gas comes spewing out of the cracks so the pavements are starting to buckle and get cracks in them and then there's gas toxic gas being spewed out from the cracks in the pavement and also like smoke and steam from the fire also i've read in a couple of places on reddit that it is a place where, like, this creepy fog tends to roll in, like, constantly, and it's really Regardless weird. Regardless of the smoke? Regardless of the smoke. There's, like, just this, like, actual, like, fog that just comes rolling in that's, like, super thick. 
I don't know if there's like creatures in there like the mist, but um <laughs> uh hopefully not. I mean it doesn't it doesn't like... help with like the the vibe of the place. And I'm sure there's ash just sort of coming up from these fires as well. The Arab quality has got to be just terrible there. Yeah, yeah. So it was declared, I mean, probably not, in, I think it was like 1969. It was uh, declared like dangerous, but 1979, um, that's when they, like the smoke level, I think, was declared dangerous. But in 79, it was also like the levels of carbon monoxide and other gas oh. in the air. <laughs> so, I mean, like God. this went on for like quite a while before... Um, anyone started really doing anything about it. It was just something like the residents kind of like lived with. If they didn't move out on their own, they were just like, well, you know. That's so fucked. <laughs> Not much we can do about it. That fire just keeps on going. Go well. I, you know, my, my head hurts and I want to sleep all the time from carbon monoxide poisoning, but. uh, Man, that's got to be <laughs> It's just the worst. And like a lot of this, like how are you, how are you just going to move? You got all your stuff and it's expensive to move and you got to, I mean, shit. Yes. It, it is expensive to move. It's, it's a, it's a huge deal to move. And a lot of times when you move one place that kind of depletes your money. And oh, yeah. so unless you've like really built equity into your house and you can sell it again, I mean, what are you going to do? And like, who's going to fucking move there now? Like with, Exactly. All this shit going on. Eventually, city officials start, like, compensating people to, to leave. But there were some holdouts. Like, in the 90s, there was, like, a big federal lawsuit because they were trying to make the people leave at this point because they're just like, dude, you can't live here anymore. Like, it's... Yeah, like, you're going to die if you live here. <laughs> but the residents actually won this this lawsuit. And so... The ones that are still remaining in Centralia to this day have they can stay there until they die, but the agreement is is that once they die, their property gets taken back by the state like Holy they can't, shit. they can't like leave their house to some other descendant and have them yeah, live out yeah. the rest of their life like once you're dead, like that's it. The state gets your home, and yeah, that's it, and that's it, and then there'll finally be nobody yeah. there, and it's nobody can live there and though Not, that, at that point they can probably do something they just can't do it when there's people still living there be, right i don't know i mean it's mostly empty of people which i'm sure makes the vibe even creepier like they have like part of the highway highway 61 that goes into it there's a bunch of graffiti all over it it's which is like kind of like a tourist attraction almost now <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah it's there has been millions of dollars spent trying to make the fire stop, and it just won't. And it's estimated that the fire will continue to burn for another 200 years. Oh, good. So, <laughs> I mean, it and Chernobyl are just going to keep polluting for, oh, for yeah. well after. Oh, yeah. That'll be, thou that'll be like a thousand years. Probably. Yeah, Chernobyl's going to be for some time, but. I mean, coal eventually, yeah, you know, will, uh, you know, burn itself out, even if it takes a hundred or two hundred years. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, true. 
but those uh, nuclear uh, that's yeah. got a little bit longer of a uh-huh. deal. Yeah, the the nuclear life is is a long one. Well, speaking of pollution, on June first, nineteen seventy eight, an article by Donald J. Kessler and Burton G. Corpales was published in the American Journal of Geophysical Research. Both of these men worked at NASA, and they put forth a theory that with all the junk we had been putting into space since the 60s, and would likely continue to put into space well after the publication of the article, the trash could eventually form a trash belt around Earth, making it very difficult to conduct off-world missions. This is called the Kessler Theory. Every mission into space regardless of whether it's got humans on the craft or not, has the potential to make debris. And most of them do just make debris. Low Earth orbit is about 1,200 miles to 1,000 kilometers or so above the planet. This altitude can vary depending upon where on Earth it is measured from. If you're standing on the peak of Mount Everest, then low Earth orbit is going to be closer than if you're in New Orleans, Venice, or actually any place because Mount Everest is the highest point above sea level on the planet. Low Earth orbit is the place in space that humans put most of our stuff. That's where we launch satellites to, or most of our satellites to, and that's where the ISS is. These satellites are only able to communicate with Earth for a very short period of time. The things on Earth that communicate with the satellites need to be line of sight in order to send and receive data, which means in order to send communications worldwide, a net of satellites would be needed to bounce the signal around the planet to its end point. So that's a lot of extra stuff you have to put up there. Right. Also, they experience a thing called orbital delay. This is when an object slowly gets closer and closer to the mass it's orbiting. This is counteracted by adding a bit of velocity at regular intervals, you know, basically hitting the gas every now and then. It's called reboosting. An alternate to this is to just let the satellite burn up in the atmosphere, which it doesn't always burn all up. And then just replace it. As more and more stuff gets put up there, it increases the chance of collisions. And with each collision, there creates smaller bits of whatever collided. So two satellites collide. Maybe they're not even active. They're just two dead satellites that are floating around up there. They collide. It creates this bunch of debris, which usually stays up in orbit. And then this debris collides into other debris, and it just creates a bunch of shit. Well, remember that um, the movie Apollo 13? Yes. That's the one with Tom Hanks, right? That is the one with Tom Hanks. Yes. What a guy. Love that guy. And Bill Paxton. May he rest in peace. Kevin Bacon. Also great guy. Anyways, when they are launching into space, there's like that whole giant piece that just breaks off the shuttle like after its its whole purpose is just to launch get them into space and once they are it's just like they detach from it and it just goes floating away just floats yeah Yeah, just floats away and i think that nasa when they did like they started like the space shuttle program that was meant to like stop doing that so that it was like kind of like all staying in one piece so every time they didn't like launch something into space like this giant piece of equipment just you know breaks off and goes off into space because i mean think about the money it costs to build it and then you just it's like a disposable like millions of dollars billions maybe yeah yeah (laughs) piece of equipment that you just use the the one-time use and then it's just gone but i mean think about 
up until that point, like all the stuff like that. And it's coming oh, yeah. from like Russia and everywhere else that's launching shit into space probably had stuff like that that just broke off and went wherever. And it starts goes. out big, but then <laughs> shit hits it and it gets smaller and smaller and it's creating more obstacles. I mean, that's it's just more shit that can run into a, a, a planet, a ship leaving the planet or just into satellites that are up there for good purposes. It's and according to this theory, it it's going to be a real problem. That sucks that you just can't escape trash, even in space. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> As if Earth isn't filled with enough trash, you got to encounter it in space, too, now. At the time of the paper, the authors believed that this trash belt would begin to form this century and would likely be a very big problem the next. And this paper was written in the late 70s. So at this point, only governments were launching shit into space. Now we have, well, more countries doing that, plus we have the civilian people doing it. SpaceX, for one. Mm-hmm. They want to launch a shitload of satellites up there. I've heard on news reports with sciencey people that they're just with satellites alone. They're afraid that's going to make it more and more difficult to make any real good observations of the night sky with the naked eye. And even still with telescopes, there's going to be all kinds of just stuff up there creating light flying around, getting in the way of seeing the shit they want to see. As it stands, Less than 10% of the stuff in low Earth orbit is actually working satellites. Most of the shit that's up there is broken-ass shit. I feel like this provides an excellent source for jobs. You gotta have the people to make the machines to fly around low Earth orbit and pick up the trash. You gotta have the people to pilot the, the machines, and you gotta have the people to process all that stuff and the recycling that can be done with the material that's brought back down. It's this whole industry that could be there for cleaning up our low Earth orbit. Yeah. It'd be a good idea. Be a space garbage man. Yeah. Outside of low Earth orbit, there is medium Earth orbit, geosynchronous and geostationary Earth orbit, and high Earth orbit. Medium Earth orbit is where we put navigation, some communication, and certain research satellites. It's at an altitude of around 12.5 thousand miles or 20,000 kilometers. And these satellites have a 12-hour period where they're line of sight with Earth. Geosynchronous and geostationary Earth orbit is at an altitude of 22,236 miles. Very, very precise. Which is 35,786 kilometers above Earth. This is where we put satellites that need to be more stationary. Geostationary satellites are placed above the equator, while geosynchronous suing to the north or south of the equator. This is all to provide more constant line of sight with the point on Earth that it's communicating with. You don't want to have your dish on the ground have to move that much in order to hit these satellites, so they kind of follow the Earth along its rotation. Okay. High Earth orbit is above the altitude of 22,236 miles or 35,786 kilometers. I don't think we do a whole hell of a lot up there. So space trash. Space we trash. Gotta, we got we to gotta clean, up, clean up low Earth orbit. It's, it's filthy up there. Has anything been fucked up due to space trash that we know of? Not that I'm aware of. I didn't I didn't see any 
it rarely comes back down into the atmosphere. And when it gets into the atmosphere, it normally burns all the way up. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. I think if it was to come down to Earth, we would probably be more careful about it because it would pose a threat. Right. No, I'm talking about stuff going out in space and getting hit by space trash. Oh, I understand. Spaceships and, and mm-hmm. rockets that are going. I, I don't think so. Not, not that I not that I'm aware of. Like a gravity type situation. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I don't I don't think that there's been any problem where any space missions have been hindered so much by garbage left up there. Like you're out there, you're I working on the fucking shuttle. And then all of a sudden this like big wad of like space trash like comes along and whacks you and. Candy wrappers and fucking <laughs> whatever. Dumb, dumb sticks. Yep. <laughs> but I don't know. It's possible that maybe some of the damage that they have to do on the ISS is due to space trash. Yeah. I know that we don't really have any kind of force field technology, so it's not like we have a way to deflect this shit that I, I know. I mean, I don't know. I'm not classified at all. Well, do you remember that movie, Gravity? No, I don't think I saw that movie, Gravity. Oh, Jesus fuck. You want to see a scary fucking movie, and it's just scary because space is terrifying. Um, yeah, that's about like, okay, Sandra Bullock's like working on, uh, something on the, like the space station. And I think Russia or some country blew up one of its own satellites for whatever reason, but the debris starts like coming at them and it's like circling around and like hits them in space and like kills a bunch of people. And then she's like, kind of like cut loose and like just floating through space and like, there's nothing to stop you. And that actually sounds kind of familiar. It's possible that I actually saw the remember the previews or maybe I saw it and have just forgotten. It's hard to say. Right. Well, it's fucking terrifying. Like you could not pay me enough to go out to space. Like I don't want nothing to do with it at all, but (laughs) fair enough. Well, but yeah, I mean, and, and it keeps like circling around and like coming back this same um, debris because I don't know how orbiting, sh- yeah, orbiting. And uh, the yeah. ISS goes around the planet several times a day. Mm-hmm. So I can see how if something's orbiting Earth, I would come across the same shit several times. Right. So it's just it's just weird. I mean, it's weird how it's like stuck in this thing where like it keeps orbiting around. Yet, if it went into the atmosphere, it's going to burn up. Or if you could just, like, knock it away somehow, it could just, like, be traveling the vast reaches of space for however long. Yeah, it could fuck off elsewhere. The orbit shit is the problem with the space trash. Yeah. It, you know, that's what I'm gathering from this. It's just, like, Well, the space trash there. is the problem with the space trash, I think. Well, yeah, but, I mean, just the fact that it's kind of, like, stuck in this one... It's just stuck orbiting. The there's Earth. a lot of problems with the space trash. We can we can agree. There's a lot of problems with the space trash. Right, right. Well, I mean, yeah, just the fact that it's there that's a problem. But yeah, the fact that it can't like without a, little, a nudge, maybe either way, it's just there and could potentially cause some problems. It seems to me it could be like a gravity yep. situation. All of a sudden, you just got space trash circling around, hitting your shit. No one likes that. No. No one likes to get hit with trash. Well, what do you got next for us, Joanna? Well, uh, just a little something on a place that I hold dear in my heart, a place called Taos, New Mexico. We have a property out there that's not 
in Taos proper, but it's a little ways away from it. However, for some residents of Taos, New Mexico, it is not the greatest place on Earth because apparently there is a hum that can be heard by about 2% of the residents, and it's known as the Taos hum. And it's a low, a low hum. The sound is described like music at as an E-flat. Like if you're in music terms, you would call that an E-flat, which I have no fucking idea what that sounds like because I'm not like a music person. Do you know? It's low. Okay. And it's E-flat, I mean. <laughs> Nate rocks the, the keyboard for anyone not aware of that. <laughs> Others have said it sounds uh, like a high-powered bass bass woofer, <laughs> like a high-powered bass woofer. <laughs> high-powered bass woofer, those damn fish. <laughs> yeah, if you have, if you turn like an amplifier on, and it's just got that like that. Yeah. See, I know what that sounds like. There's nothing going through it. Yeah, yeah. that's except it very low. That's is, is what it's supposed to is what I've come to understand it's supposed to sound like. And again, it's not a huge amount of people that can hear it. No. But enough can. Right. To where it's like a thing that's that's, you know, somewhat known about. Uh, another way of describing it was like a running diesel truck. Now, I don't really know what the difference is between a diesel truck and a gas truck running, so I couldn't quite work that out in my head they probably mean when they see a diesel truck a semi truck a big truck as right. opposed to just a average passenger car but those that's what i was thinking but those trucks are pretty fucking loud i mean when they are they are loud when, they, when they're um, running they're i mean low. you know it they're 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 low they're low pitched i think and the hum I believe it's supposed to be a diesel truck from a distance away because it's not supposed to be so loud as if you're right on the truck, but it's still audible. They're they're not complaining because they can't hear people over it. It's because it's always there. I would say it's similar to tinnitus. Mm -hmm, like the ringing in your ears? Except instead of being high-pitched, it's low-pitched. Yeah. Instead of like a feedback again, I I think of the the you know subwoofer, the bass yeah. woofer, <laughs> the bass the bass woofer, the bass woofer. Um. Yeah. That that's the thing I can most um, you know, think of in my head is is what that must sound like. It was known enough to where in 1993, some experts from University of New Mexico, Phillips Air Force. Laboratory and Sandia National Laboratories, as well as the Los Alamos National Laboratory. So about four laboratories uh, teamed up to investigate the hum. And after doing, I don't know, like a lot of sciencey things, they were basically just like, we don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> Was the answer to that? Baffled. <laughs> That's great. Basled. <laughs> Basled. <laughs> so, yeah, no one really knows what it is, what causes it, 
where it's coming from, but about 2% of the residents can definitely hear it. And I don't know if that's like an all the time thing or if it's like some of the day. I don't From know. From what I come to understand, it's all the time. Yeah. It's, it's all the time. It's <laughs> it's whenever you don't have other stimuli, you can hear it. So if you have your earbuds in, you can't hear it. However, when you go outside in the morning, you can hear it. Or when you go to bed at night, you can hear it. When things are quiet, you can hear it. Would you live in a place where you heard that anytime it was quiet? No, I don't think I would. But do we really have much of a choice where we live? Not always. <laughs> Not always. Not always. However, if you uh, happen to visit uh, the town of Taos and you do uh, hear this this hum, um, I would recommend probably not moving there because you're probably not going to be able to ever not hear it. Yeah, so definitely go there first and then take a visit first. Yes, yes. It's a beautiful town. I mean, I love it there. I love it. I'm sure it is. I do not hear the hum. Good, good. That's that's very nice. I am not one of the two percent that can hear it. You are not one of the two percent. I'm suddenly remembering, like, like it's just so vague. But being somewhere, it's not anywhere where I lived, but maybe like, gosh, at a friend's house or some hotel I was staying at, where there's power lines very close to it, and you could hear a hum off of those, like every time you went oh, out yeah, on the balcony. At- at Brooks Memorial Campground, uh, down by Goldendale, Washington, oh, Sarah and I camped there, and they had these power lines going over it, and you could hear this hum. And it was actually when we went hiking up there, it was so it made my the hair on my whole body stand on end, like not my head hair, but mm-hmm. all my arm hair and stuff. And when she touched me, it felt to me really strange, almost like there was something over my skin, and to her, it felt very tingly. Like so I reacted current. with the elect, yeah, with the current mo- mm-hmm. more so. I just it was, it, it was fine. Like when I touched her, it felt weird on my fingers, but it didn't feel weird to her. I don't think it was really strange. Yeah, it was really strange. No, I just remember but that was something. I think that was readily apparent. Mm-hmm. Not like the Taos hum where two. I'm certain most people could hear that because it right. was very obvious. Right. I just remember stepping out on this balcony and hearing the hum off of the power lines. And I don't know, for some reason, I was just like, dude, I feel like if I lived here, this would give me like brain cancer or something. You just get sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think the Tao Sum gives anyone cancer. Uh, and probably power lines don't either. It was just it was just very assaulting in a way like yeah. the way yeah. where I was just like, dude, this is going to like eat my brain like this is going to like put holes in my brain if I stand out here for too long around all this like weird electrical hum and current like it just seems like this can't be good for you to be by this but I don't know (laughs) yeah I wouldn't go back to the place to camp because of that specifically Mm -hmm. so you know I understand what you're saying now Joanna I'm going to tell you about something gross okay bipallium are these flat worms seemingly invading Georgia with over 100 recent sightings. They can be up to about a foot long, and they're normally the color of a banana slug, kind of a yellowish-brown color for those of you who don't have slugs in your area. Okay, how, like, thick? I mean, a foot long, that is 
really big. It depends. Some of them are a little skinnier. Some of them are fatter, kind of like slugs, how slugs can be fat and long, mm-hmm. um, but also kind of sometimes skinnier and long. These ones can are about the same. They're flatworms. So maybe it's just how the how they're positioned during the pictures, but they've got some girth to them. They don't have teeth, do they? Not like one of those like weird parasite worms that have like the the fucking teeth on the bottom side. You just, uh, I I don't know. We'll we'll get to it here. Okay, I'm just already I'm already getting upset. The head of these <laughs> things is shaped like the head of a hammerhead shark, so no, a half moon. No. And this is where they get their common name of hammerhead worm. It also has a black stripe that runs down the center of its back, either solid or dotted. And it secretes a toxin through its skin, thought to be very, thought to be the same neurotoxin as the pufferfish. Oh yeah, and its mouth is in the center of its body, lengthwise. Oh, I do not like this worm. Oh yeah, and if you cut these fucking things in half, each one becomes its own worm. No. Yes. This yes, is they terrible. Do. These are in Georgia. Uh, they are actually. Yeah, we'll get there too. They're also able to reproduce sexually or asexually and are hermaphroditic. Hammerhead worms are carnivores that eat any invertebrate that it runs into in the soil. And it doesn't have much that preys on it, probably because of the fucking neurotoxin. As carnivores, they don't directly impact crops that scientists are aware of. The creature has been in the United States for around 100 years. It's believed it came in through the Northeast likely in soil from imported potted plants. I believe they're native to Southeast Asia. It's thought that these things aren't really on the increase so much as people are able to communicate more easily now on the internet so they can share things like the pictures and uh, it can become like more known about. There's just more communication. It's also thought that global warming could cause a rise in population and a widening of the habitat. They've been found in Illinois, some in Texas, uh, so in in a few areas in the U- in the U.S., uh, they're also found in South America, and, and I'm pretty sure they're not supposed to be there either. Though it seems there are more of these things, it's apparently not really cause for concern. But if you do run into one of these things, you should definitely report it to your local invasive species office. They're they're really gross. Yeah, it's crazy how gross these fucking things are. But I just I do not like anything about these things. If you find one and you touch it, wash your hands because it's they're poisonous. So if you touch your eyes or something, it can hurt you. That's awful. It's uh yeah. Yeah. Something else. They're gross. Take a look online. They look uh they're they're pretty looking. Uh I feel like they are not even close to anything <laughs> pretty. All right. They are they're disgusting and they're poisonous. And they're big worms, and that's awful. And ew. yeah, with mouths, mouths in the middle of their bodies. So you got another thing for us, Joanna? I do. I do have another place. I was, uh, you know, just scouring like Reddit world, looking for, you know, oh hey, where do you want to not live ever in the United States? <laughs> we could do a few episodes on these. I swear. <laughs> yeah. Well, one place that came up was a place called Colorado City, Arizona. That's not confusing at all. It's not confusing. And it border it's and like Kansas and the, City, Missouri. Right. Uh 
And the reason you really don't want to live there is because it's basically a fundamentalist Mormon town. Which is even more confusing because, you know, usually those tend to be in the Utah area. But this is right at the Arizona-Utah border. It is Colorado City, Arizona. When I was reading on Reddit, it was just like, yeah, this place is totally creepy. It's just full of fundamentally fundamentalist Mormons. Um, very weird vibe going on there. And then I did a little research on this town and yeah most definitely uh full of you know like uber like the fun- fundamentalist mormons that like have like the multiple wives that pra- practice polygamy oh i see so it's yes. like a bigamist haven yeah well polygamist because bigamy is when you have two i mean these are the people that have like seven eight nine wives I gotcha. okay uh yeah i mean people can be fundamentalist mormon and not be polygamists Right. But these people are the polygamists who are also Mormon. Yeah, and that tend to have the very extreme uh, ways of life where the women are kind of like wearing like the prairie dresses and they're married. Yeah, they yeah. have like the child brides and it, it's kind of like one one Reddit uh, user described it as like there's like the main part of town and then all these like compoundy type houses. On the outskirts. One of the other podcasts on our podcast syndicate, Age of Radio, Color Me Dead, did an interview with two women who were involved in a polygamist, whatever you call it, uh, enclave. I don't know. And it was done in a way where they didn't record with these women because these women were so fearful of being found out or so wary of being found out that they didn't even want their voices recorded. So it was all right. done just writing it down and then they would just play the parts uh, of each of the women, you know, the two, the two hosts. And it was, it's eye opening, and it's, I don't know what episode it is, but you should, uh, you can find it, I'm sure on their um, feed. If you'd like to uh, color me dead podcast on age of radio.org. There was actually uh, in 2019, the officials in Colorado City were uh, they went on trial basically because this is coming off an article from the Arizona Capital Times, and it was ruled that uh, city officials there uh, were abusing their power because they basically there there was like fundamentalists in all these um, positions like judges. And uh, in the police department, and they were upholding the church's laws over actual laws, and also, oh, right, yeah, <laughs> and also targeting people in the city that weren't Mormon, right? Telling them to get the fuck out, basically. Yeah, like like uh, intimidating them. They would arrest yeah. people without cause. They had like no probable cause to arrest people, but they, you know, everyone was just allowed to like intimidate and bully them. And uh, <laughs> great, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it got to the point where uh, there was a lawsuit filed back in 2012. Uh, which kind of outlined all this stuff that had been going on for, uh, you know, decades, basically, in this town. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's... So, town marshals would ignore um, 
the violations of laws like as it pertained to like underage marriage oh of course so like having like the child brides is like your 10th or 11th wife like yeah they'll just turn a blind eye to that also the fact that um a lot of them don't have their kids attend public school oh of course not i mean <laughs> well yeah i mean you don't want them like the learning kid to actually say yeah. something about mm -hmm. his eight mothers or whatever yeah, or like I'm 12 and I'm going to get married next week, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? That's some serious 1865 shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, just a whole lot of uh, bad shit going on in that town. Apparently, the marshal's office was also supplying, like, the... FLDS church with like night vision goggles and what? <laughs> yeah, I, because like these compounds and places, I mean, they do not fuck around when it comes to security. So they have like people that patrol and yeah, that doesn't that makes sense. I mean, they're they're doing something that is illegal. Yeah, and they're doing it kind of blatantly. I mean, they're on the down low, but they're also, they're on like the mid down low. Yeah. And they do not, they do not want outsiders. No, no. So, yeah. So the marshal's office provided them night vision goggles as well as tasers to the church's private security force. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's good. I like that. And there you guys go. Yeah, and they just, I think they appealed the decision, but it was uh, upheld, and that was just last year in 2019, was the most recent court action taken on it. Was this, That's the, insane. Yeah, so. Because that's not like, oh, this happened in the 70s. This is mm -mm. something that happened, <laughs> is, is happening. Is happening, was happening. I mean, until 2012, I don't think really any of this was, like, officially put online because, yeah, it was like everybody was in on it. Yeah, The yeah. judges, the marshal's office. Like, can you imagine just living there and you're, you don't want to be any part of any of this and then you're just, you're harassed and all this, like, blatant shit's just, fucked up shit's just going on and... You cross the street, and they're basically just treating everyone like they're a suspect unless you're a part of their particular club. Right. It's interesting how, I mean, that's sort of a a microcosm to what could be seen as a problem in all of America. Right. How if you're not the ruling powers dude, then you're going to have some problems with authority figures. They're going to fuck with you. Yeah, and it's all just going to be set up to where you're not going to be able to win or get justice because it's, you know, exactly. ev everybody's in on it. Like, who do you turn to when everybody's corrupt, basically? And what's nice about it being just that, well, not nice, but it being in just one town, you have more an ability to get away from it. Where it's your whole country, it's significantly more difficult to get out of your country. Right. Requires a lot more paperwork and a lot more money. Yeah. Well, I think anyone, uh, based on what I was reading on the, the Reddit threads, anyone rolling into that town, you know pretty quick what's going on there. But um, 
Yeah, here's your official warning. Unless uh, <laughs> unless you're FLDS. Yeah, you don't have I to go recommend- home, but get yeah. the fuck out. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend uh, living there. It looks like they're trying to do something about the massive corruption and, and shit going on there, but... Change is slow in, in some of those places. I do got one more one more place for you that you probably don't want to live. You got one more place not to live for us. All right. <laughs> this is the town of Skidmore, Missouri. Skidmore, Missouri. That does not... That's not an appealing name for a town. It really isn't. And I... God damn it, my lights are flickering again. I've been having like weird flickering lights. I think my poltergeist followed me. My asshole ghost from my old house has come again. That's unfortunate. Well, there's been some other happenings, but uh, we can talk about it in a future episode. It's It's been going on since October, but I didn't want to bring it up in the October ones because I didn't want to be all like, oh, hey, now my house look is haunted. Me, yeah. yeah, look at me. I've got the ha- haunted house. But yeah, we'll compile things. some shit and we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've got a few things to tell. Anyways, Skidmore, Missouri uh, is actually not that far from <laughs> where I currently live. Uh, really? Again, it's about 125 miles. So, I mean, it's it's far enough, but I could get there in a couple hours, like two and a half hours. It's uh, like the northwest corner of Missouri. So it borders uh, Kansas as well as Nebraska. It is a small town, like a really, really small town. Like, I think as of late, like maybe like 200 odd, two to 300 people live in there. That is a small town. It, it's one of those ones where it's just really, it's slowly dec- declining. Like more and more places are closing up. Like Centralia, Pennsylvania, but right. a lot longer of a process it's a lot longer of a process and it's not due to a uh you know century long fire you know century it's going to be centuries for that place but (laughs) yeah yeah it's not due to some like a fire burning underneath a little crack of hell that (laughs) came up from within the hell crack that's what they should start calling him (laughs) hell cracks i agree it's just the, um, for such a small town, there's been some really weird, violent crime that has happened. One of the most famous one would be the, um, the murder of Ken Rex McElroy. This happened back in 1981. And Ken McElroy was basically the town bully. Uh, I believe he had a pretty limited education. When he was about 18, he was involved in a construction accident where one of those like steel beams that they like haul up like actually fell and hit him. So, oh Jesus, there's not much give to those beams. No, so uh, it's possible that it caused a head injury, which might explain why he was such a fucking dick. But um, also. He had a chronic pain as well from from that point on, which also, I mean, people are dicks when they have chronic pain. But I mean, this this guy was like over the top, like way over. Was he a dick before? I mean, he was a bully. Uh, he before, was he so. was a bully before. So I just think it didn't do anything to really um, help that situation. It may have in right. fact, exacerbated it. 
brain injuries can can do that. People can oftentimes become real nasty after a severe head injury. Yes. And he was he was like a particularly nasty person. He was pretty tall and beefy, so he was just like a big mean guy that you just did not want to uh, cross paths with and then just had like a, a really bad temper and he just went around like just intimidating the shit out of people uh he robbed stores he assaulted people there is one story where he's alleged to have raped a couple of girls one of them as young as 12 Oh, great. He had several wives, um, also some of them at the same time. One of them he married when she was like 14, like married in air quotes, uh, when she was 14 and had a baby with her. What a fucking class act. Yeah, that was uh, Tanya McLeod was her name. And... Apparently, after you know, when she was still a teenager, after having this baby, at some point she wanted to uh, leave because he was probably extremely abusive. And she went back to her parents' house, and it's alleged that he then burned her parents' house down and killed their dog. What a fuck ass! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this guy just completely sucked he even had local law enforcement like 100 percent intimidated <laughs> so they were just uh, like all right well it's just not it was a misunderstanding yeah i just mean let him let him let him do his thing it's fine yeah he just basically got away with everything because he was so good at at just intimidating people he was always he was always armed <laughs> he was always armed and just gave this impression that he you know he like you know you just didn't fuck with this guy and it's a small town and he he just completely just had everybody like cowering Apparently the the sheriff's office, like the, the the closest police department, was about like fourteen miles outside of town, and there was one officer that was actually specific, uh, specifically assigned to McElroy. Like whenever oh, they would great. get a call about him, he had to like come out and try and like deal with it. And at one point, McElroy just freaked him out so bad that he went back to the police station turned his badge in and quit because he just couldn't <laughs> deal with him wow. anymore wow on average he was arrested about three times a year for all this you know all these shenanigans that he was pulling but he had this lawyer apparently from kansas city that was supposed to be like a lawyer for like the kc mob and who just get oh, him out of like all sorts of shit damn double talking big city kansas city lawyers Exactly. He just, uh, yeah, he just seemed to, Richard McFadden was the lawyer's name, and he just managed to, you know, find all these, like, legal loopholes and get him out of everything to where, I mean, he, he shot, like, this one guy, this one farmer, he shot him, like, in the stomach, and the guy actually, like, testified, like, yeah, he's the guy who pointed a shotgun at me and shot me in the fucking stomach, and he still got acquitted. 
wow, that's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. He shot another person in the neck. And he actually like went to, to trial for that. And at some point he still gets out on bond and you know, he's just he he was a big big talker as well as a, a menace. But he had like shot this guy in the neck, this store owner. Um I guess somebody working at his store, like one one of McElroy's daughters was like shoplifting or taking candy from there and she had just told uh the kid to like you know hey you need to put that candy back if you're not paying for it and he just went off and started stalking like the family that owned the store and eventually uh like shot like this older guy the 70 year old guy like in the neck (laughs) over this little thing it's a jerk just a jerk off yeah like of the worst kind. Yeah, totally. After one of the court proceedings, I and mean, he's he's out on like he's out on bond for shooting this guy, and he's just at like the uh, the local tavern, and he start he came in there carrying a rifle, making threats, saying that he was gonna you know kill this guy. Uh, the guy's name was his last name was Bowen Camp, and I guess. Uh, people just, you know, had enough at this point. <laughs> they they were yeah. just like, we are, we are done with this guy. He thought he was, he was just going like, I'm going to get away with it. Like I did everything else. One of the ways he would, he would get away with all his crimes, by the way, would be, um, witness intimidation. So, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so of he would course. like, he would find out like who was on the jury because, you know, you're in like this tiny fucking town. So everybody knows everybody else. So you yeah, go to the court and all you got to, I mean, come on. Yeah. You go to the court and you like, look over. It's like, Oh, it's you and you and you. So <laughs> he would stalk people. Um, there's stories of him allegedly putting like rattlesnakes in people's mailboxes. God damn. I mean, this guy just like threatened and strong armed his way out of everything. And, uh, when it came to the Bowen camp shooting, he was just like, yeah, well, it's just going to be like every other fucking thing. Like, I'm going to get away with it. You know, fuck you guys. But he didn't? Well, (laughs) no, he didn't. They have like a town hall meeting. And this is like a bunch of local residents. This is the local sheriff. Just, uh, it was about like 60. Everyone but him. Yeah, (laughs) everyone but him, basically. It was about 60 people in attendance. So I don't know, maybe like a third of the town's population in attendance. Yeah. And they all uh, get together, and they, the the whole purpose of this meeting is, like, what are we going to do about this fucking guy? Like, we can't just uh, keep living with this. And McElroy is out, like, on the main road. Like, when the meeting adjourns, McElroy's in his truck. With one of his wives, with uh, Tanya McLeod. And it's hard to say what exactly happened because nobody is exactly forthcoming about it. But a crowd just surrounded his truck as he was in it. And then all of a sudden, somebody starts shooting. Huh. And 
McElroy is shot several times in his truck and is killed. Now, his wife manages to get out and, and get a safe distance away. She is unhurt. They found two different caliber uh, types of calibers of bullets in in the truck. So it, it had to have so been at like, least two people. At least two people. Or two guns, anyway. That's true. Yeah. But to this day, nobody has said a word about who shot him. Hey, you know, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like basically the whole town was in on it and none of them were saying nothing. They actually did a, like a, you know, true crime series on the Sundance channel called No One Saw a Thing because it this was right. like broad daylight, 50 to 60 witnesses, yet no one knows who pulled the trigger that ultimately, you know, that fired the shots that ultimately <laughs> killed <I'm>, Ken, <laughs> Ken McElroy. But, um, yeah. I would be more comfortable believing a decision of people who had suffered under someone and them deciding to take care of it themselves as opposed to a government with a set of rules deciding that this was the way to go, you know? Right. Which is to say, the government just putting people to death. I don't like the government having control over my life. Right. But if I've been terrorizing people for however long and they kill me, that's, I feel like, more justice than the former way. Yes. I think he had, he got what was coming to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously. You can only be a dick for so long before people don't let you be a dick anymore. Yeah. And I think it's pretty cool the way that everyone just kind of banded together. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Definitely. that in the town meeting, they were saying like, okay, you shoot him and you shoot him and we're just not going to say anything. I, I feel like that was like a spontaneous act, but um, everyone just kept their fucking mouth shut. like. <laughs> Very Brutus and Caesar sort of deal. Yes. And I think overall the feeling was just a huge relief that he was gone and, and no longer, uh, you know, somebody that people just had to deal with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, cool. <laughs> so yeah, that's the... Um, the it's still unsolved to this day that FBI actually did step in and investigate this because the investigation went was going nowhere. But um Yeah, but I'm sure didn't, they didn't it, try too hard. They didn't try too hard and the thing of it is is that uh yeah, since everyone just kept their freaking mouth shut, I mean it was just kind of like this unspoken, like no one's gonna say nothing. Yeah, well, hey, uh, it probably wasn't unspoken. It, it was probably <laughs> said explicitly, no one says nothing, see? <laughs> no one's gonna say nothing here so this this was back in in 1981 and today yeah no charges ever filed on well good <laughs> that's uh, on the murder of uh ken mcelroy and that's, uh that's just fine <laughs> i uh looked at sources on uh bustle.com and then uh, there's also an article, uh, The Creepiest Small Town in America, written by Mike Morin in 2019. 
He also goes in real quickly to describe a couple other messed up things that happened um, since the murder of uh, Ken McElroy. And it's kind of fucked up that the murder of him was like the least fucked up thing about <laughs> Ken McElroy. It was mostly like right, yeah, <laughs> the nefarious dealings of Ken McElroy up into his up to his murder. There in two thousand. Uh, a woman named Wendy Gillenwater was stomped to death by her boyfriend, although uh, there's evidence to suggest she was actually dragged uh, from his car until she died. Charming. Now, yeah. Now, he was caught, put in jail, pretty cut and dry. Then in 2004, and I've read about this case before, they've made Lifetime movies about it, but um, 23-year-old Bobby Joe Stinnett was discovered by her mother looking like her stomach exploded. And wow. <laughs> what had happened was this woman, Lisa Montgomery, had been faking her pregnancy and had been chatting with Bobby Joe online and had agreed to like purchase a terrier. She was like a dog breeder and she came on under the guise of like purchasing a dog from her and then strangled her and then performed a cesarean section with car keys. Oh God. Yeah, and and stole the baby and tried to pass it off as her own. And she was caught, I don't know, like maybe like nine days later, I think at some point her story fell apart. And with, right. with the, you know, murdered uh, pregnant, you know, nine month pregnant woman close in the close vicinity that, you know, it wasn't too hard to wasn't piece that together. To, yeah. But yeah, so fucked up. I mean, I remember reading about that like as a kid, like. Or maybe it wasn't, I wasn't a kid, but I remember Rough reading town, it. regardless. <laughs> it was 2004, but uh, I, I remember reading about it in a magazine because it was just freaking crazy. Rough town. Yeah. And then the next weird thing that happened is Branson Perry, who was the cousin of the murdered woman, Bobby Joe it, disappeared. Now, this was before her murder. This was in 2001. But he just, like, vanished. He was out in the yard uh, with some, you know, doing some repairs on a car. And literally, it was, like, one of those things where, you know, here one second and gone the next. Like, the whole Weird. town got together. Yeah, the whole town got together and combed the town. And nobody could ever find a trace of him. Never been found. The jumper cables, he was he was taking some jumper cables from one place to another, and they suddenly appeared, you know, just kind of like sitting out in plain sight. But nothing of him was ever found. But there is some weird theory uh, about, um, there's uh, this guy, Jack Wayne Roberts. He was arrested in April of 2003 for a botched amateur sex reassignment surgery on another individual in a hotel room. So he was like this like traveling Jesus like guy who would be like, oh, hey, like you need an abortion. You need gender reassignment surgery. Come to my hotel and wow. I'll hook you up. That's and <laughs> so shitty. Yeah. And 
the police are tipped off on this guy and they and they raid where he's staying at and on his computer they found all sorts of like there was like kitty porn on there. God. And great dude. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and stories involving like sadism and extreme sexual assaults and one was a story about you know on like a message board about a young male hitchhiker who just whose description matched Perry's and so they kind of like him for maybe having you know picked picked him up and done something fucked right. up to him because he was you know in the area around the time yeah yeah wow and yeah but that's he was never officially charged and and that guy went to jail on you know many other crimes that he was committing like you know op- operating without a license and oh yeah all kinds of stuff mutilating people um yeah so so Great yeah stuff. skid more missouri seems to be yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's Great a handful place. of things, but uh, you know, for some place where there's only like 300 people, it's just like that's a lot of fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's just been some unfortunate happenings there. Definitely, uh, that are definitely uh, grisly, vicious. Yes. Yeah, grisly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I would say about that. Probably not the best place to live. I don't think you know. I mean, the residents. Not a great seem... place to raise a family. No, no. I mean, I don't think the residents themselves are that bad, except for that one guy. And I think it's actually kind of yeah. cool that they banded together and were like, "Enough of this fucking piece of shit." But uh, definitely. But I, I would say, um, besides that, it's it's just one of those towns that's that's on the decline. Like, it, it's, I think it's so slowly, too. It's well, slowly but surely just becoming. You know, everything's closing down and. Uh, Less and less people there, so not a not a thriving area, and uh, not a whole lot of luck as far as uh, not getting like viciously murdered and stuff like that. So, yeah. <laughs> so those are uh, a bunch of lovely places we've got for you guys, and a bunch of lovely things, and lovely pollution and and stuff. So that was an uplifting episode. Yeah, I just I just love these episodes that um you know, just so many great great things out there <laughs> in the US of A. That's right. And beyond, so you I can... mean space trash, space trash. Space, yeah, yeah, that's outside of the United States. It <laughs> is. It's it, just a little bit. <laughs> so you can find us any place that we are as far as our social media is concerned at Stranger Than or Stranger Than podcast. You can check out the podcast syndicate we are a part of ageofradio.org. Many great podcasts. Take a listen to any that you can find there. You can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash stranger than podcast. For $2 a month, you get ad-free regular episodes. And for 5 a month, you get a bonus true crime episode. And with that, we will be talking to you next time. And stay strange. <laughs> <laughs>